Okay, I literally just finished a few seconds ago the final episode of season five of Gamora. And I wanted to record right away because I followed this series now through five seasons. And if you've listened to my previous Gamora episode, you'll know that it's among probably the very best TV series I think that's ever been made, if not for me, really the best TV series ever made. And in following a a show like this through five seasons, I really think it's this feeling that you're left with, that the showrunners, the creators are trying to create. They're trying to engender that feeling in the viewer. And the feeling is sadness, appreciation for family, children, love a heightened awareness of the struggles that people live with. And all of this through a fictionalized gangster drama set in the slums of Naples, Italy, and through the epic operatic relationship of Jenny Savastano and Ciro DiMarzio, our two main protagonists. And... I was thinking about whether I was going to discuss any spoilers or not in this episode. Um, and I think I am going to just discuss what happened because, A, it's been out for a week or two. And if you are a fan of Gamora, you've binged this as quickly as I did. So there's 10 episodes in season five. They're on HBO Max right now. Um, I don't think it's a surprise how things end. I think it's inevitable. <laughs> However much we may want a different outcome, one of the many things I've long appreciated about this series is that it does not shy away from plot following a logical course of action based on the realism of the setting and the realism with which all of the protagonists are presented on screen. And by that, I mean these Filmmakers and showrunners clearly set out to tell a truthful story about life in and among the gangsters of Secondilio and in in Naples and in these housing projects. And in doing so, they didn't try to create a fictional version which services we the viewer. And by that, I mean that in every season of this show, there have been moments where events occur which are true to life if you read anything about mafia killings in in Italy or in Mexico or in the United States, places where ruthless drug gangs compete for turf territory and money, horrific, horrific things occur. In fact, things occur that are so horrific they actually don't really even get reported that much. Or if they do, it's just, it's, it's so displeasing to read about children being killed, uh, innocent people being killed to send messages, uh, corruption, uh, the reach of these organizations is something that I think we'd like to pretend isn't quite as broad as it really is. Hey, I just want to take a moment to interrupt myself here and say that My last comment there reminded me of a fantastic series I wanted to hype once more to any listener. The series 000 on Amazon Prime is set similarly 
to Gomorrah in the world of international drug trafficking. And it shares some creative DNA with the series as well. But it, like Gomorrah, pulls no punches in telling the truth about what occurs in order to provide the high that millions and millions of people around the world are seeking when they purchase their little baggie of drugs. It features fantastic acting from Andrea Riseborough and others. It's one of the most glossily beautiful series I've ever seen, certainly on a streamer. And it's less sort of operatic and melodramatic in its way. It's a little bit more just the facts. So if Gamora is a little overwrought for your tastes, a little too Baroque, check out Zero Zero Zero. And yes, in a self-promotional instinct here, I will say if you've watched Zero Zero Zero, or even if you haven't, and you're curious about it, listen to my episode about Zero Zero Zero. It will either pique your curiosity and send you to your Amazon Prime playlist, or after you've watched it, you will be able to decide whether we're of a similar mindset with regard to the series. Now back to my thoughts on Gamora season five. And going all the way back into season one and season two, there are moments where characters suffer losses. Uh, and you as a viewer are experiencing a jaw-dropping moment because you can't believe the show went there. Now, the show isn't going there for shock value or horror or in some sort of exploitative snuff film fashion. It's going there because that's what would happen. And I think one of the most impressive things about how they concluded this series in season five was they played out exactly the only thing that could happen and they allowed it to happen with a final touch of, it's hard to say grace, <laughs> but in a way, they, Chiro and, and Jenny went out the way they came in. The depth with which the filmmakers handled that throughout the entirety of season five, I think, is very impressive. So, man, it's such a satisfying conclusion. I'm sad that it's over. I'm sad for these characters who I feel were brought to life for me in such an intense fashion that I actually have avoided watching uh, Marco D'Amore, who plays uh, Chiro, or Salvatore Esposito, who plays Jenny. I've avoided watching them in anything else. I've avoided watching them in any publicity materials. I've, I've avoided watching them appear on shows to talk about Gomorra. Things that I would normally do for any cast member or uh, participant in a, in a series that I, that I really, really liked, you know, I'm interested in hearing them talk about it. I'm interested in hearing them talk about the characters. But these two guys, I don't want to ever hear the actors speak outside of their performances as these two characters. That's how precious the performances are to me. And I can't think of another series that I feel that way about. Now, the reason that Gomorrah is so good, it feels trite to, to tick off all the usual things that make filmed entertainment great. But what sets Gomorrah apart predominantly is that truth of the approach that was set out to unfold this story, which is operatic, okay? It is Italian. It's overwrought. It's, it's larger than life in some ways. Yet, the performances and the filmmaking and the tone of each episode has always created this 
moving sense of ennui and emotional turbulence and loss somehow that grounds the series and also elevates it beyond the subject matter. Now, the atmospherics of Gamora are just unbelievable. I mean, cinematic and considered the production design, the cinematography, the editing, the costume design, the scenic design, all of these things are executed at such a high level of intent that they are in service to moments of dialogue or plot or other forms of action. I mean, there's a use of like neon and brutalist architecture, modernist architecture, uh, just an incredible palette of set design and lighting design that creates atmosphere. It creates nuance and it, it goes hand in hand with an incredible selection of locations. The locations found for this series in Italy and elsewhere are phenomenal. Uh, I don't know again, cause I've avoided sort of a lot of production stuff, but most of these things look like real practical sets or real, real locations, practical locations. I'm not sure how many sets were built or whether this was, whether interiors were done on a soundstage. If they were, further kudos to the scenic design uh, for the interiors of these apartments and recycling centers and other sort of places where malfeasance takes place in many crime films and TV series but in here becomes a character unto itself. So the, the, the atmospheric production elements of Gomorrah over five seasons, I think are unparalleled. I think in a lot of ways they've taken place at a time where when they began making the series, that, that craft had already been honed and perfected through many, many other sort of bigger budget international series and I just think they've always gotten that pitch perfect and absolutely right throughout the life of all five seasons. And then secondary to that, so once you have the showrunner, the executive producer, the creative minds all in agreement and in alignment of the look, the vibe, the feel, the world that we're going to create, you have to populate that world with interesting characters. And the casting has just been uniformly out of this world across all five seasons, and not just because our two main cast members, the only two people who exist throughout the entirety of the five seasons are Chiro and Jenny. Everyone else is either dead, disappeared, or dropped out of the story in one fashion or another. But the ancillary casting, the supporting casting, each season brings in a phenomenal group of actors, all of whom are Italian, speaking Italian, who are the equal of these two guys, if not um, even superior. You know, like each season you have new primary characters introduced who are going to follow throughout the 10 or however many episodes. And you come to know them and appreciate them and feel them as much as you do Chiro and Jenny. So in season five, there are some amazing Characters introduced, uh, the gentleman is an old school Italian mafioso who favors dandified suits and lives in a 
very tasteful stone farm castle appointed luxuriously with charming country decor and uh, considers himself a man of wealth and taste. And his wife is one of the most impressive in a series that has had numerously very impressive female anti-heroes and protagonists throughout its entire run. And the gentleman's wife is like a tight, little, angry fist of a woman who is almost one of the most malevolent presences throughout the entirety of the five seasons. And that's saying a lot. <laughs> so the casting is just uniformly incredible. And the way that the women characters are usually right and the male, the male characters are usually misguided by their sense of vendetta, revenge, machismo, status, position. It's really a journey through and out of the, the false belief that any of that stuff on the street that they prioritize is actually important. And really what's ultimately important, which even Jenny who is our twisted, damaged, psychologically scarred protagonist, the son of a very powerful and very ruthless mafioso himself, the would-be king. Even Jenny comes to realize at the end that the only thing that matters is his family. Not his family on the streets, his family in his house, his son Pietro, his wife Azura. And in the end, he's not able to preserve that family unit for himself, but they are able to go on without him which is a moment of freedom that I think we want as an audience and that Azura and Pietro of the Sun have, have deserved. So the casting I can't speak highly enough of. Each season you will follow incredible actors and fall in love with uh, these tremendous performances that elevate this beyond, beyond what, what the genre is. And the other incredible power that this series has We've all had anti-hero television series. You know, you've had The Sopranos where, you know, Tony Soprano is responsible for various types of horrific acts and murders and killings, drug sales, what have you, but yet you're rooting for him. So that, that's a common enough thing for us to follow. But man, the degree to which they take it with the character of Jenny and Chiro is so far beyond anything I've ever experienced in a TV series or a film where Jenny commits horrific acts. I mean, heart-stoppingly, jaw-droppingly horrific acts. Yet, I texted a friend of mine who's also obsessed with Gamora during season five, and I said, I can't believe I'm still rooting for Jenny. I still want Jenny to figure it out and win, even though he's just done the most reprehensible thing I can imagine. And that's the genius of the series, is that it presents you these lives of these dead end kids when the film, when the series starts, but it takes them and their concerns and their actions seriously. And it takes the world that they live in ruthlessly seriously. And I guess in doing so somehow, uh, through the power of these, these actors through Salvatore Esposito, particularly who undergoes just an incredible transformation over the course of the series, you, you see them as three dimensional human people always. And the sense of loss, the sense of emotion, the uh, the melancholy, I think I, is the term I arrived at in my previous episode about Gamora, 
that's what stays with you. That's what get ins. That that's what is embodied by the music, by the Italian band Mokadelic. The music is so melancholy. The theme of this series will stay with you and is so emblematic and the embodiment of everything they're trying to do. I just can't say enough about this series and having finished it, I'm, I'm glad for the characters that it's over. I don't feel like I'm left wanting more. I think it sustained itself over each of these seasons and it never had a, had a flagging or poor season. It continually was surprising and elevating itself season to season. It would be hard for me to pick a favorite season because the arc of the characters is ultimately what you're following and what you're in it for. And although the conclusion is, is, is sad and, and you wish better for these two guys, you wish that they could have emerged just with it. It can make you feel that with five or seven minutes longer in their lives, they might have figured this out and survived. But ultimately, 
the life they chose came for them, as it does <laughs> for everyone in that milieu. And that end, however emotional, sad, disappointing, it's the right one. It's the right one for those two characters. Those two legends who deservedly uh, will have their stories told on the streets in this fictional world, you can tell. And what's fascinating about the end to me is the dynamic between Chiro and Jenny has been playing out for so long. It has so many twists and turns. You're always aware that there's a bond there, but it's a torturous bond. In season five, we come to learn more about Jenny's fear of abandonment. And that's what really fuels and propels him through this season. Chiro is fueled by loss and grief. And there's a lot of writing within the episodes about both of those major character aspects for each guy. But in the end, what's ironic is, although you expect this big showdown between the two characters, and in the end, Chiro obtains the upper hand over Jenny and appears to be winning, and Jenny appears to be willing to sacrifice himself in order to save his wife and son. But in the end, they're both killed by who? We don't know. <laughs> That's just the amazing thing about the end of the series is the final scene on the beach takes place. Azura and Pietro are home free on, on, a, on a tender heading to a yacht that Jenny purchased so that they can live free of him. His in incredible parting words to his family, you won't soon forget. Uh, and then in trying to provide cover for Chiro, Jenny is shot and killed. And Chiro and Jenny have a moment over Jenny's dead body, literally, where the emotion that Chiro feels for his friend finally is released. And then Chiro stands and is about to reemerge into the kingdom that he has created when he's shot and killed. And we don't know who the protagonists were. We don't know what faction of uh, the various drug gangs that we've been introduced to may be responsible for this. Because other than the person who shot Chiro, Jenny and Chiro killed all of them on the beach who were trying to ambush them. So that final mystery, right, that final tantalizing mystery leaves a door just ever so slightly open. Uh, I'm not sure what plans, if any, the filmmakers have to revisit this world or this universe, but it is not one that I will ever soon forget. I think it's just an extraordinary television series that is fundamentally rewarding on every phase of filmmaking. Uh, it's just an incredible accomplishment that I cannot recommend highly enough. And I'm just flipping through my notes to make sure that I've hit everything uh, that I wanted to say. I guess in conclusion, I'm going to say this. You know, when you watch scripted series, right, you – that, that go on for multiple seasons. I think we've all had that experience where very rarely does a series follow through truthfully to the environment and the characters that were set loose within the environment, certainly in a crime type series where things don't start to become fan service oriented. In other words, we want this guy to win all the time, so he's going to win, despite the fact that it might rob 
some of the proceedings of drama if he were to suffer the types of losses that someone in his position might likely suffer. What's incredible about the discipline I think the showrunners showed all through each season of Gamora is that you get the sense that they came up with these two protagonist characters. They set them loose like perpetual motion machines within the confines of their series. And they allowed them to go where they would go. And I don't feel that in any moment uh, the series wasn't surprising. I don't feel that in any moment they did not follow the characters as opposed to push the characters where we may want them to have gone, right? And I think that takes such an impressive amount of discipline and and an ability to stay true to something you set out to do long before a series is ever a hit. And let's not forget that once something becomes a hit, okay, there's a lot of additional pressure that gets put on showrunners and creators. So whatever you may have thought you were doing when you started making something, the minute you become a hit, the minute you break through the thousands and thousands of international TV shows and become something as globally successful as Gamora became, now you have a lot of other attendant pressure. You have external pressure from networks and fans and expectations, and you have internal pressure from your own cast members. Maybe they've become stars as a result of your efforts in season one. Well, guess what? The star now wants more say in how things are going to go for his or her character. The writing staff might be under pressure because all of the best writers get better offers or get hired on other shows or have opportunities to create their own shows. So to keep something pointed in the right direction over the course of numerous seasons and to be continually surprising. And when I say surprising, I'm talking jaw-dropping moments which occurred in each of the five seasons where you can't believe that you're seeing that the show is actually doing the thing that they're doing. I think that takes an incredible amount of discipline and I applaud everyone involved with Gamora for finding their way to stay true to all of that and provide one of the most satisfying five-season series of scripted television you're ever going to see. So with that, I leave you to ponder Gamora. If you haven't seen it, I'm jealous. I wish I could go back and experience it all over again for the first time, but I know that I will definitely be re-watching all five seasons of this because that's how good it is. Until next time, thanks for listening. And don't forget to tell two friends about the Full Casting Crew podcast. 